Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, my friends, to a new episode of On the Farm. I am your host today, Adam Lawler. After a long hiatus, uh, we're back and we're recording with Scott Chu, Mr. Fantasy Curling Man himself. Scott is a writer at Pitcher List and the first guest we're having on during our off-season programming. Over the next month, I am working with all Pitcher List writers to bring on as many voices as we can uh, and discuss the hitters and prospects, prospects of each MLB organization. I know the audio could have been a little better on this one. We're not quite Nick Pollock level yet, but we're working on it. Please rate and review us uh, on your preferred listening platform. Send us comments. Join the Discord channel. It's an absolute blast to talk all things baseball as we gear up for a new season. So without further ado, here is Scott Chu talking Detroit Tigers. So uh, I'm guessing that you decided you you were uh, you volunteered as tribute for the Tigers outline uh, because you're in Michigan and you're a Tigers fan. Yeah, that and the the Tigers were going to be one of the first ones to come out for the hitter previews. So it was like someone's got to do it. Everyone's asking me for like a, a sample. So I was like, well, I might as well throw it together because I was in um, I was at first pitch Arizona anyway. So I was kind of like in the fantasy mode. I was like, all right, I'll throw it together. Plus, it's like kind of it was kind of the easiest one to put together because so many of their hitters are garbage, and you don't have to say anything. <laughs> and you're a bit of a masochist, so you're just gonna yeah, put it's like, torture. Yeah, it's like I don't need to do a ton of research on like Heimer Candelario because he's like not that good. Like, hey, the, he could be. <laughs> he could be. No, no, he can't. Top sorry, team, third baseman. Yeah, like he's. But, like, it's kind of nice because, like, the only people you're talking to is some of these guys. Well, with a lot of them are, like, 15-team, like, NFBC-style format where it's, like, this guy might be interesting to you. And, like, quite frankly, I'm, like, on a limb with Victor Reyes in this thing. But, like, it's very possible he's, like, all four outfielders are just, just like, part-time guys. And none of them retain any value. All right, well, let's talk about one outfielder that I'm particularly interested in from a dynasty perspective, and then you tell me why he's only a fourth outfielder. All right? Is it is it Christian Stewart? No. Oh. <laughs> I think Christian Stewart is garbage. But he is. We'll, we can get into that in a minute. I want to talk about Jacoby Jones. Okay. Jacoby Jones. I, I mean, I mean, he's – Jacoby Jones – like, the problem with Jacoby Jones is I'm just I'm, – <clears throat> Like, I think, I think what's good is the Tigers are just like, the Tigers are kind of dead set on letting him hit like early in the lineup. 
right? Like they want to, they want to get every chance. And first of all, the way they got him, they traded, um, oh God, that was the Joaquin Soria trade. Mm -hmm. They traded him to the pirates and got this kid. And it was like kind of exciting at the time. Uh, My fear is that Jacoby Jones is always going to be this like 30% strikeout guy. And like, he'll hit like maybe 20 home runs and like steal 10, 15 bases, but his batting average is going to be crap. So like, unless you're in a 15 team or he's not that interesting, but like, that's not, that's not to say that's like, like, that's my fear. I I think if he gets, I mean, if he can, if he can get a little bit more patience, he doesn't necessarily need to walk more. I mean, he did, he didn't really walk that much in the minors. um, But if he can like cut down the strikeouts just a little bit, like maybe there's a 2015 guy there. Yeah, uh, so you think that 15 is his ceiling on the stolen bases? And here's where I'm coming from on, on Jones's value is, is the fact that <clears throat> there are no stolen bases anywhere, right? You have, like, Trey Turner, maybe D. Gordon. You have, uh, who else is out there, really? I mean, like, you're talking about Aldoberto Mondesi and then some other random players among the group. Uh, if you can find an outfielder that can steal 20 stolen bases and hit maybe 20-ish home runs – like right around there, like if he could hit a ceiling, he's pretty valuable at that point, right? You know, yeah, and, and actually that was – that's sort of the thing I was on for Victor Reyes. Uh, he, he finished last season really strong. He's a Rule 5 pick, and uh, they kept him on the roster his whole first year with the Tigers, even though he was awful, dreadful. They kept him because I guess they saw something, and he ended up showing us something for like a month and a half last year. And <clears throat> what I did see is that the Tigers are willing to steal at the – like – with the early guys in lineup, because like how well, how the heck else are they going to score runs, right? Like right. they have they, they have like no hitters, and the ones that they have, like they got some guy, like they added two guys that like help the fantasy value of these fringe guys a little, right? <clears throat> because you know at least there's actually hitters in the in the five, like in the four, five, six spots, sorta. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he he can do it. He he could. Um, but yeah, it, he's really like it's probably not a gamble I'm taking in any. It's hard because I wrote this like thinking about it from like twelve team redraft, and in twelve team redraft, Jacoby Jones is like barely watch list mm-hmm. just because uh, because of the depth of that league. But if you're in a fifteen teamer, you're in a you know you're in one of those deeper dynasties where you keep like <clears throat> where you have like a large bench. I, I think he's worth like throwing on there right. because again. He might get the steals, and right now there's there's guys that steal lots of bases, and there's like guys that don't steal any. And what we've seen is a lot of the guys you used to be able to count on for fifteen to twenty are now like ten to five, right. uh, and it's just because baseball strategy has changed. Right. Uh, by the numbers, stealing isn't stealing isn't that like getting a single and a steal. If you look at things like um, like linear runs, like getting a single and a steal just isn't as good as a double. <laughs> like right. you'd rather have guys just hit. So teams just like, like, it's kind of like, it's funny. I was looking at Jose Altuve and I was like, why isn't he stealing as much? And mostly like, there's a lot of reasons you can look up. But one of the things that happens is like Astros just get a lot better. And as they get better, he stops stealing bases, right? Like now that he's got Bregman and stuff on, he doesn't need to steal. They have real hitters that'll just drive him around. What does he need to steal second? Right. But in direct contrast, the Tigers are not the Astros. And Dude. they have nothing to lose. And so they're going to go ahead and take chances along the way, right? And so when I, from a fantasy perspective, when I'm looking for those people that might steal bases because it is such a, a disparate uh, landscape right now, 
I am looking at those bad teams who will take risks and gambles. And I think that the Tigers have, like you said, Victor Reyes, Jacoby Jones. I mean, Travis, uh, is it Demerit or Demerit or whatever that? How do, how do you oh, sh- I knew this last year, and I'm not going to lie. I don't care about him enough to, like, look him up all the time. <laughs> <clears throat> what what uh, what Tigers player do you care enough about? What guy <clears throat> do you look at and you're like, oh, okay, maybe. Those, the pitchers look great. Okay. And uh, <laughs> like what well, the ones in the minors, right? So like Mize, Manning, Scooble, really like those guys. Um, I got to see Riley Green uh, like for one game last year. That's actually where I met the guy who like runs the curling website. Oh, okay. Uh, we went to a, we went to a Whitecaps game to see Riley Green, and uh, he didn't like he didn't. He didn't like have any hits or anything that game, but like the sound of the ball off his bat was different than everybody else that was out there. Right. Um, and he just he he looked like a kid that was going to go to the majors. Um, but yeah, so like I don't know the the Tigers right now. It, it's it's a pretty dismal landscape. Like CJ Crone is actually going to be really interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, because just because of what he he would have been interesting wherever he went, but he's extra interesting now because he gets a full time job. Uh, Nico Goodrum, um, he's a little interesting cause he can, he can steal some bases and he's going to keep a lot of eligibility. It looks like he might still start every day. Like, even though they got a guy to play second base, um, he'll probably be the starting shortstop. I think they kicked Willie Castro out of the starting lineup, but you know, it, there's the, tar- the hard thing with the Tigers is they had one batter qualify for the batting title last year and it was Miguel Cabrera of all people and looking at their roster like I mean scope and crone now look like guys who could do that that have a job that you know could be healthy enough to qualify for a batting title but on the rest of the roster all you see is a bunch of guys who may not play that position every day right. Candelario will likely share time with Dawel Lugo um all four outfielders I think Reyes Jones Stewart and uh, demerit they're all gonna rotate around yeah. they're gonna tune a little they're gonna have hot and cold streaks because all of them you know swing a lot and miss a lot. so it's hard to like yeah and then there's guys that we're not even talking about where um oh should i have to update my article uh, i forgot to mention in the playing time battles that like guys last year that filled a lot of time like harold castro brandon dixon ronnie ronnie uh, well ronnie rodriguez is gone but like do you really uh, brandon to your article for these guys though like do you really need to oh, oh, oh. so I, the fun thing about it was I, I basically just took them out already like they're not in it anymore but they're still in the playing time battle section uh because I, I said that they were going to miss and match at first, second, and third. And now it's like they're going to miss and ma- mix and match at third and outfield. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it's hard because, like, from a 12-team perspective, there are – on a 12-team – in a 12-team league, uh, redraft, like, San, like especially if you're just, like, in the standard Yahoo where there's no corner, no middle. Um, I think maybe two, two of these guys are draftable. Maybe three. But, like, Scope probably isn't in my top 15 second baseman. Crone is like a last round pick. Cabrera is like a last round pick. I did, I honest to God, I did a 12 team auction while we were at first pitch. And I don't think any Tigers got taken for hitters. Yeah. None. Now, yeah. Because they, they're, they're not good enough. Yeah. What's it like <laughs> just, walking around, no. watching the ghost of Christmas past walk around in the form of Miguel Cabrera? Like, do you, does it, is it sad and does it hurt or are you like happy that it happened? It's cool. Like, it's funny because it's cool because I get to like 
my my kid knows who Miguel Cabrera is. They're one of the few baseball players you know, and it's cool that I can be like that's Miguel Cabrera. And Miguel Cabrera still likes playing baseball, and that's one of my favorite things about him. Is like he likes. It seems like he likes playing baseball more than anybody else who plays baseball. Yeah. So that's really cool. And, and you, he's still like he doesn't hit the home runs like he used to hit and stuff like that. But like you still see him take like an inside pitch and somehow get like like a, a pitch like on his hands. He still somehow like gets the barrel and like pushes it like you know in front of the right fielder where he used to like hit those out now he just drops it in front of the right fielder you're like that's amazing so it's just it's what a, is that though why did that happen you know like he's what 36 37 36 he'll be 30, he'll be entering 30 age 37 coming up here and so i look at it right and i'm thinking about nelson cruz and i think about uh how the Sox. i'm a white Sox fan just signed enwin Encarnacion, who's 36 years old those guys can still put up 25, 30 home runs, especially in a live ball era. Miguel Cabrera, his power disappeared, right? And in the with the rabbit ball, I'm kind of surprised that that happened. What is it just the injury and the fact that he can't come back from it or what? So like as recently as 2016, he hit 38 homers. Right. Um, what happened after that was, was four years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> it, it feels longer, honestly. Yeah. Uh, what happened since then? I mean, he's had the big thing. I think is he's had a slew of core injuries. Mm-hmm. Like he's been hurting his obliques, his like the the place where all that power would come from. That's what he keeps hurting. And it's not like uh, even Pujols, who like hurt his foot. Um, Cabrera has been getting these nagging muscle and core injuries that I don't think at his age. Like I know I'm 31. And, you know, like it takes me a week just to get over sleeping on my back wrong. Right. Like I know he's, he's a pro athlete, but like it's some point these injuries to your, to your core, they just drain you of everything. Right. And he can still like, he's still going to have like singles and doubles ability. Like he still hit 282 last year. He still has some patience at the plate. Like his walk rate went down a bit, but it's not as dire as people think. Um, his strike, you know, his strikeout rate didn't move that much. It's still like in line with his career, sort of. Um, he's just he's just not going to have that power anymore, and it's because his body doesn't have it anymore. Like there's so many things that have been hurt. There's so many things he's probably nursing every day. Because if Miguel Cabrera is not playing, why do you go to that ballpark? Especially last year. Team won 40 games. Mm-hmm. Like, why bother? Right. Like, if, if you're not going to see McGill, there's no pitchers to watch. I mean, Matt Boyd, I guess. Right. But, like, even he was inconsistent. So, last year, like, I wonder how much of it is the human element of baseball. Miguel Cabrera being like, I'm Miguel Cabrera. Not only do I love playing this game, nobody wants to watch it here without me. Right. Like, and he's, he's not wrong. Like, I, he's not that kind of selfish guy, but he's not, like, if he thought that, he wouldn't be wrong. There's nothing else to watch in Detroit. This is even with these two ads or whatever. This is like this is not a fifty win team. I'm, I'm like, surprised to hear. If sorry to jump around, but Jonathan Scope, you were not. You said he's not worth it. He's not interesting. He was interesting up until what last year, really. So what is it that that brought him off? This isn't a terrible uh, signing. He, no, 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 no. I, I I like him in like a fifteen team league. I like him as like a like a maybe like a back end. I mean, you know what you're getting. Um, he. He, he hits the ball, like, fairly hard. He used to be, you know, there's this, like, this that 
sort of this like misconception that like he always did these great things. Like in 2017, he was really good. 32 home runs, 105 RBI, uh, 293 batting average. Since then, it actually has been kind of boring. And if you look at where he ranks as like a second baseman, um, it's just not that like he was he was the 39th best second baseman last year for fantasy. And second because base is bad. Like not second base. It's bad. Second base is bad, and he just doesn't do enough of anything to matter, right? So he was in what probably should have been a fairly ideal situation, uh, batting with the Twins mm-hmm. and that deep lineup, and a most like pretty much played every day. Problem is, he didn't end up playing every day. He he's not good for OBP, right? It's like three hundred OBP barely. He's been hitting like two fifty ish, two sixty, and he had twenty three home runs. Like that just doesn't move the needle anymore. He doesn't steal any bases. He doesn't hit for a high batting average. Um, second base is the worst of the positions, but like there's still there's still a lot of guys that can like do something that you need. There, a lot of times when you're when you're looking at like, hey, these are the stats I need. Jonathan Scope just doesn't do any of them enough. Right. Um, he there's like, I don't think he's a ten or twelve team guy, right? No, because he just no. he, he doesn't make. If you go to Statcast, you look at his quality of contact. It's just not good enough. I mean, like Kevin he doesn't. Biggio, Kevin Biggio and Gavin Lux are borderline ten and twelve team second basemen, depending on where you put players like Whit Merrifield and Kettle Marte and Glaber Torres. Yeah, yeah, and, and like they're interesting. Like, there's things that they can do, and scope just isn't. Yeah. Like he he was interesting in 2017. I mean, and then, I like, him in a, I could put him in a bag with pl- names like Chris Taylor, Jerks and Profar, Robinson Cano. Uh, I'm trying to go down a list here, like Starlin Castro, of like third tier second baseman, and they'd all be fine as plug and play if one of my one of my other guys got injured and I needed to move some players around. Star- Starlin Castro is probably the the one that jumps out to me the most because like they're they're single category contributors, right? Um, like with a full-time job, if you look at depth chart steamer, they think that scope can hit like 27, 28 home runs. Uh, you know, there's like, there's projections out there that will say scope could be very useful. I am just, I am very skeptical of like, to me, it's weird. Cause steamer is usually like so conservative with hitters and they think he's going to have a better batting average than he's had over the last two seasons. They think he's going to hit more home runs and that he's going to have way more RBI and that he's going to have better plate discipline. And I'm really confused as to why. I mean, Comerica is a pretty deep – it's a cavernous park, isn't it? It, it is, but I, I think there's a there's a bit of a misconception that Comerica is a pitcher's park. It suppresses home runs a little. It has one of the best batter's eyes in baseball, and the doubles and triples alleys are huge, right? Like, have you watched Nick Castellanos run? Yeah. Okay, he's a very average runner. Uh, he's not fast, Mm-mm. but he like led the American League in triples like two or three times because he would rope these line drives and those huge alleys and like ju- you know just to the sides of center field, and he'd get triples. He got like ten triples one year because Comerica Park has these huge power alleys that while they don't turn into home runs, it's extra base hits, and they take like they turn outs into extra base hits a lot of times because it's just a lot of ground to cover. It's 420, the deep center. The like the corners are really deep too. Um, so and again, that batter's eye. What's 
if you look out from like behind, you know, if you like look straight out in the center field, it's actually, it's all green. They've got this green outfield wall. And then they have like this, this like grassy display behind it, like this Ivy ish display behind it. And there's no seats back there. There's no people. It is a solid color background. And, and uh, they wrote a really nice article on it on MLB.com. And it basically like people say like you, you see the ball all the way in. Like you get to see the spin, you can see everything because there's not like people behind you. There's not like some white display. It is just dark and green behind you yeah. or behind the pitcher. So guys actually can see the ball really well and there's really nice power alleys. It's just, it's hard to hit home runs if you hit a lot of stuff to center, left center or right center. Because even the, even the, even by the foul poles, it's not that deep. It's just all the stuff in the center. All so right. it's, it's a weird mix of hitter's park and pitcher's park. So let's, let's, let's do this. We've been rather bleak and oh, yeah. sad about the Tigers. But if you were going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, put a future bet on one of these guys to be 12-team relevant, one name out of the Tigers, who is it and why? Oh, it, it's Crone by a mile. And, and Crone, so, no, go ahead. CJ – yeah, so it's CJ Crone by a mile. He uh, he was also, you know, he's also a former twin. Um, he hit 30 home runs in 2018, hit 25 home runs last year. He actually, uh, what's funny is he had that 30 home run breakout in 2018 with the Rays, and we were all like, oh, man, like how's he going to follow it up? Can he do it again? Last year he only had 25 home runs because he only played in 125 games because the Twins had a big roster crunch. Like they just had a lot of hitters. They had, they had 10 hitters go in like the top 250 picks in fantasy last year mm-hmm. before the draft. Like that's a, they were, we were drafting 10 deep on their lineup, knowing that not all of them could play every day. Uh, that's how good their offense was. And we saw it in the regular season. They like set a record for slugging. Right. Um, what he, he actually hit the ball better last year than he did in 2018 when he quote unquote broke out 15% bail rate, uh, 548 expected slugging. The guy hits the ball really hard. 91 mile an hour average exit velocity. Hits the ball really hard. He's going this Comerica Park where on one hand you're going to think, oh, he's not going to hit as many home runs. I think 30 home runs is well within the realm of possibility. And whatever it isn't a home run, he can absolutely crush into a double or a triple. The RBI won't be where you want them to be because it's the Tigers and just not many guys are going to be on. They're not a very good offense. But he could absolutely hit 30 to 35 home runs. He could easily hit like 270. Um, and you know, he can get like 80 to 90 RBI cause he's going to hit fourth every single day. Right. And it's not like Miguel Cabrera being ahead of him is going to slow him down. Crone isn't fast either. Right. So, uh, these, there's a real chance that he becomes a, a relevant first baseman for a lot of people. And, and he's one that you really don't have to pay for. So, uh, you know, if you're in a 10 or 12, 10 or 12 team league, you can draft him at the very end or even watch list him depending on how you attack first base in your draft and, and very like very easily pick him up for a above average batting average and all the power you expected out of the position unless you drafted like Pete Alonzo, right? Like he, he could really be that. And that he's probably the most valuable on and before they signed him, actually my bet would have been uh Goodrum or Reyes or just as easily Jacoby Jones, because one of those guys could steal 20 bases. Like after Crone, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> those guys, and that's that's potentially valuable. And like scope, I guess, if you're desperate for like second base, but he should be like on your watch list and then your second baseman gets hurt. 
or scope gets really hot. Like he's not a guy in a 10 or 12 teamer. Like you want to draft, right. like none of the outfielders are either. Right. <laughs> like Crone is, the only, Crone is the only one you might, might want to consider drafting. And even then, if you're in like the Yahoo standard format that doesn't have like a required corner infielder, don't Yeah. like, don't draft him. Just watch list him and see what happens. You know, I think that's, it's kind of that's interesting a, just from the Tigers' perspective, right? If you're thinking about it from a deeper league, 12 team is not going to be worth it. But in those 15-plus team leagues, these players, while they're not very good, they will have the plate appearances that are valuable in those deeper leagues where, hey, I need to find somebody who's going to get 500 plate appearances. And they become more valuable as the leagues get a little bit deeper. Not to say that you should take a zero, right? You should probably take a chance on a Jimer Calendario or Miguel Cabrera or CJ Crone, more so, in my opinion. No, no, you're right. Like, in uh, oh, we, can, we can get to the podcast soon. I'm kind of ranting here, but uh, I, I think that when you look at when you look at the lineup for the Tigers in a 15 team league, there's a lot of intrigue around, right? Like. If Kristen Stewart gets hot, I don't think he's that good, but the dude can hit home runs. Yeah. Like he's really strong and he's going to get playing time against every righty. He's like one of the only lefties on his team. Uh, so he's going to get a ton of playing time and a 15 teamer. There's a lot of reasons to look at a guy like Goodrum who can fill a lot of positions. And when, you know, replacement value so low, Goodrum has some power, gets some steals that's out there. Miguel Cabrera's batting average will always make him like mildly interesting as your corner infielder, if you kind of waited it out, sort of like, I mean, he's not going to do what Yuli Gurriel did last year, but nobody ever expected that in a million years. Mm-mm. But like a guy who can hit like double digit home runs and get a lot of batting average has some value in the 15 teamer. Like Victor Reyes could steal some bases. He had a high batting average at the end of the year. That's interesting. Um, you know, scope is worthy of a middle infield spot. In a 15-teamer, no doubt, maybe as a back-end second baseman, but you'd have to believe in him a lot more than I do. Uh, the only guys that you don't care about are the catchers, Romine and Grainer, because they're garbage. But, like, all <laughs> catchers are <sort of> garbage. <laughs> but, like, and like Romine had this, like, 281 batting average last year that's going to make people draft him. But he's, like, a, two, like, he's like a 240 hitter, uh, 250 maybe. So, like, he's a back-end catcher replacement in one of those leagues like that's it so you don't care about the catchers but there's there's value there for 15 teamers it's just the 10 or 12 team leagues that there's those like every position is deep enough where you don't need these guys all right so let's let's shift our focus and talk about uh prospects for a few minutes um you know i the best thing about the uh the detroit tigers is is their prospect pitchers and uh if these names can grow into a Max Scherzer, a Justin Verlander, a David Price, and, and Rick Porcello, then they might end up being World Series champions one day. So if only the Tigers had those names on that roster now, who knows where they could be? So, um... <laughs> It's so sad because they, they had them all, and they were so good, and they were always like one thing away, and everybody knew it, and it seemed like nobody cared. Like, I'm not saying they didn't try to address the bullpen. They did, but they tried to address it in the worst possible way. Like signing like a 38 year old Joe Nathan. They were like, Oh, we solved it. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> that never solved. Like that never solved anything. But here we are. Is it uh, is the guy that owns the Tigers? Is, is he the one that owned Pizza Hut or uh, Little Caesars? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. Mr. Illich. Mr. Illich. And the family still owns the, the Tigers and the Red Wings. 
um, and Little Caesars. And I remember every time we'd go to, every time we, me and my buddies would go and get like a hot and ready, we'd be like, you know, get 10 more and they might finally get us a closer. Like that was the joke. <laughs> like we got it. We got it. Like, what are you guys hungry for? It doesn't matter. Got to get a hot and ready. We need a new closer. Like didn't work, but we tried. So uh pitcherless is doing a, uh, a, a dynasty mock draft right now. Travis share, put it on. Um, the only tiger that was taken within the first 100 picks uh, at pick 99 was Casey Mize. So, how do you feel? Are you are you jazzed about Casey Mize? Are you worried? Is it and, and from a Detroit fan perspective, are you relatively worried about the idea that your entire future is staked on a bunch of young arms? Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Uh, so so like there's 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 always this thing where they're like you know oh no such thing as a pitching prospect blah blah blah. Uh, Prospect people can tell you why, like, that's not necessarily true. I, I'll say this. Um, those pitchers look so good. Like, I, I've only gotten to see them a little bit, but but my Scooble, Manning, they're young, but, man, they look exciting. Like, 2021, 2022 is going to be an exciting time. Gosh darn it. Uh, because You know, I really like Scooble, too. He absolutely dominated last year. Um, but, yeah, there's – if you're doing a startup dynasty league right now, like, you, you'll pick some of these pitchers – but like, and you might pick Riley Green if you're deep enough. But like, these guys are kind of far away, and so I kind of don't care that it's all like that. It's a lot of pitchers because like that's the most expensive thing to buy right now. And while pitchers can get hurt and you know all that stuff, like if we had to hit the, if you have to hit the free agent market next year and you need to fill holes, or in 2022 or 2023, I'm still willing to bet that hitters are where you find the value on the free agent market. There are good hitters like CJ Crone available for peanuts. Mm-hmm. $6 million for one year for CJ Crone. That's a great deal. Jonathan Scope, $6 million one year. That's a great deal. Um, if you're trying to build and you need to fill pieces, you want it to be hitters yeah, because so there's not, and not a- still aren't uh, still aren't signed, right? Like they're out there begging for a job yeah. at the moment. In the meantime, you have to drive a dump truck full of dollar bills and gold bars to get a pitcher mm-hmm. to, to even get like a decent one. Get like a, 38 year old starting pitcher is really expensive uh, if they're good, you know, and, and they have injury histories and it's still really expensive. I, I know that like the smart thing to do is like hitters are more projectable and all that, but man, if I had to fill holes, I'd want it to be in the lineup. I'd love to be in a place where my team has good pitching. We just need some hitters because there are hitters out there, but pitchers, they're not like everybody now realizes the value of a starting pitcher and it has made it so there's no market efficiency there. And you, you have to spend so much. And Mr. Illich, uh, the original, was all about spending money, right? Victor, Mar- I remember Victor Martinez got hurt in the offseason. And all, me and all my buddies are like, man, this stinks. And then like, about like two weeks later, they're like, oh, yeah, the Tigers are signing Prince Fielder. It's like, yay, it's going to be okay. We gave him like $100 million. Yay. And it's like it didn't work out, whatever. But like he was willing to make moves. That's not really what I expect. And we had Dylan Dave Dombrowski, who was like trying to fill holes. He wasn't necessarily good at it all the time, but he was trying, right? They were very active right. front office. I don't see that happening because teams are recognizing like that that's not a great way to be profitable. And I have a whole nother set of feelings on that. But mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think teams want to build that way anymore. They don't want to sign these huge free agents unless they're pitchers or like truly elite hitters. 
like Anthony Rendon's. Um, and so when a team has to rebuild, again, I like this concept of, hey, if we've got this great rotation already set up, just don't bungle it like the Mets did and get enough hitting and be okay, right? Yeah, like maybe. that's a real strategy. Yeah, that's a, re- that, that's a strategy you could use, especially if you're not going to be super – like if you're not going to be willing to pay a bunch of money to free agents, you can get hitters for cheap. Yeah. But there is, no, there is no cheap starting pitching that I, I want to like deal with because I'm not trying to rebuild Wade Miley every year. I mean that's right? true. Like, that's true. I just I look at a guy like Casey Mize who has three dominant pitches, right? Like he has a like if you have not gone out and looked at his video, his slider is just ridiculous. It is so nasty and I I love him for it. But he is the the jewel in the crown of the Detroit Tigers future. He had a shoulder injury in June. He came back, he was inconsistent. And then they shut him down in August. So if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm thinking, oh, God, oh, God, we have a Michael Fulmer situation, which obviously he was a knee, but still I think he actually ended up having a shoulder issue right in the end. But like I just I look at it, I'm thinking he's the number one uh, prospect and he's injured right now. So what does that look like? And does that make me nervous in the future? I mean, as a Sox fan, I look at it and I. We have Michael Kopech, who's kind of that same deal where you get him out there and you are just thinking how tantalizing his stuff is and you're dreaming about World Series championships. And then he gets shut down for a year, year and a half, and everything feels delayed. And I, I, I don't know. It, to me, it's just scary. I'm, I do subscribe partly to the tin staff issue. But like you said before, I'd rather him get injured now and be ready to go when you're ready to lose the team. Uh, as opposed to waiting, but shoulder injuries can be scary too. So I don't know. Yeah. And, and it's worth pointing out that he struggled a bit after he, he came back. Um, well, like he sort of struggled a bit at the end of his sort of his tenure there. He's given up a lot of, you know, more home, or a little bit more home runs, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a good point, right? Pitchers, when they get hurt, it's not like they miss two weeks, right? When we see pitchers getting hurt, a lot of times it's, blew out a shoulder, blew out an elbow. Can they even come back? Like if they come back, what's it going to look like? Like, thank God for my medicine. There's a lot of things to suggest that pitchers can, if they do it right, you know, come back from Tommy John and be the same guy they always were if they're young, right? Um, Older guys can struggle, but part of that is just the way the body heals. I I think here, like, you know, maybe part of it is just watching him and just seeing, like, like you said, like seeing my pitch, it's like, oh God, like these poor double A hitters, have not seen this, right. <laughs> like this guy that four pitches like this, like that. That's trouble for them. And then you know, <clears throat> Matt Manning was also incredibly good last season. Tariq Skubal out of nowhere, out right? Yeah, he, he like nobody like he was like a funny name you'd say as like a party trick. Like, oh, you like this? Have you heard of Tariq Skubal? And you'd be like, whatever, made up. Yep. Like he was, but but like so good last year what was it like he also had almost like 100 179 strikeouts and 122.2 innings um and 37 walks like that's amazing for a guy that's only to her credit uh pitcherless contributor Shelly Verstraight was very in on him very early in the process and she was the only one that I heard talking about Tariq Skubal before he really kind of came onto the scene he's he's been very good this year or last year I should say it was like two or three starts in and Shelly, uh, you know, I, I follow her very closely because if you don't, you're like, you're wrong. Shelly, <laughs> Shelly's amazing. Uh, she also is over at uh, Fangra- or Rotographs. Uh, she's, she does amazing prospect work. And I remember asking her like, hey, 
I'm sad about the Tigers right now. We have like 20 wins or whatever. Like, give me hope. And she goes, the pitching's good, but look at this Tariq Scooble kid. I was like, sure. It was like two or three starts in, and he just looked so filthy compared to like everyone else. And I was like, oh my God. And so I start just like pretend, like I'm a total pretender. I'm, I was just stealing the ideas of Shelly V, but I was like telling everybody like, hey, all my buddies that are Tigers fans are like, hey, Tariq Scooble, remember the name, Tariq Scooble. Like you won't forget it because it, no one else in the, no one else on the planet has ever had to, had that name. And like, sure enough, he comes out and he looks, he looks like the real deal. Like a, like a number, like a number two, number three starter. Um, he's young. It probably, you know, We'll see how it goes, but man, he was just electric. And the results, I mean, again, it's it's hard to know exactly what results are look like when they the major leagues, but seeing someone put that kind of success together in high A and double A is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't see guys like even even like the elite pitching prospects don't necessarily have that kind of performance at the lower levels. Right. And you know, hopefully you can keep some of it going. But holy cow. Yeah. Uh, so you know, in this in this uh, dynasty mock that we're doing, it was Mackenzie Gore, Forrest Whitley, then Casey Mize. Casey Mize was the number three starting pitcher off the board. If it's me and I'm, you know, drafting again, Casey Mize is probably going way later than pick 99 and probably number three starting pitcher or prospect pitcher just because of the shoulder injury. But uh, Scooble specifically, and I'm trying to pull him up really quick. Um, Scooble, I remember, oh yeah, Travis took him uh, at pick 197, right? And that was after a ton of other names that I would probably hold off on. I foolishly took Tristan McKenzie um, about 12 picks prior, 15 picks prior to that. I think Scooble's probably going to be a top 15 starting pitcher prospect, easy, coming out uh, or entering into the 2020 season. And if he's not a top 10 after a few of these names graduate, um, I would be surprised. Uh, I think that he's just going to be very, very strong. Uh, Matt Manning, outside of the curveball, I get a little worried about him. I mean, I just don't see it. I don't see it like the way that other people do. I just maybe it's the name. Maybe I'm just bored by the name. But <laughs> Matt Manning just seems like a very like uh, prototypical maybe number three, number four pitcher that never really puts it together. I mean, I, I don't see him turning into. Uh, a Blake Snell. I just don't think he has the velocity for it, but that's just me. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Matt Manning? Uh, not like reasonable, rational, like unbiased ones. No, uh, <laughs> I, be a fanboy. <laughs> I, I actually, I really like Matt Manning. Um, it, as far as the, the Tigers are concerned, if I was just looking at prospects, uh, you know, it, it was doing like a startup just prospects draft, like for this year, I'd have, I think four guys in the top 50 for me and Matt Manning and Casey Mize would be at the top of that list. Like they, they to me are like, they, they are, they are maybe, you know, top, top 15, top 20 guys for me, like somewhere between like 10 and 20, both of them. I think that they're really, I, I think they're both great. I mean, the thing about Manning is he is, you know, he's already spent a bit more time in double a than, um, than like Mize has obviously, cause he's been around a little longer. But, you know, as far as old staff goes, I think we, we might even see all these guys, you know, come up this year. They're, I mean, they're all, it's funny. All of the Tigers pitchers are in double A right now. Matt Manning look, you know, Mize, you know, before he kind of faded at the end, Manning, uh, Scooble, they were all the ones with like the real jump out stats in high A and double A last year. Um, 
But yeah, Matt Manning, I do really like the way that he made some adjustments. He was not good um, in 2018 in AA. He struggled a bit. He got a lot better last year. Um, you know, velocities, velocity's cool. Velocity's I'm not necessarily concerned. Good. I, I, I misspoke earlier. Yeah, I'm not, not bad. It's the control issue for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so he, his, his walk rate, his walk rate has, has been very high. It's coming down. And I think that was the big thing I saw last year. He spent all 133.2 innings in double A. The strikeout rate was, was pretty, I mean, pretty good. Almost, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was almost 10 strikeouts per nine innings. I know it's, that's not Nick's favorite stat, but you know, it, it's an easy one that a lot of people like the walk rate was acceptable last year. And I think that's really what changed it. And then his home run, his home run rate is really low. So I really like that. If he, that's what I really want to look for coming into this year. Like I am, I am full in on Matt Manning. As long as that, that walk rate stays down, like he's got to keep, you know, he was down to 7.2% walk rate last season with a 28% strikeout rate. I really like that kind of combo. I'd love to see him keep that walk rate somewhere between seven and 8%. I think that is manageable based on the stuff that he has. Um, but if you start seeing that walk rate creep back up closer to nine, 10%, um, it's, it's going to be bad, especially at the major league level where hitters are far more discerning. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's I, really, I just, I see the 191 average, the 259 BABIP, and I know that that's not going to be sustainable, especially against advanced pit, uh, hitting. So I'll, I'm going to keep a close eye on him in AAA. I would not be surprised if he struggles once he gets to AAA. Um, I just I, I see it, you know, his ERA maybe being around a mid three, and that being okay, that's fine, that's serviceable, and then it'll just take his lumps in the major leagues as he's getting used to being there, right? Blake Snell, I keep coming back to him, but his Matt Manning's curveball is just as nasty as Blake Snell's, and in my opinion, like it just takes some time for those guys to develop and and really get a feel sequencing the actual uh, the professional polished approach of every single major league hitter. It's going to take some time for him. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I'm really don't think that he'll be like um, a Mackenzie Gore or uh, or a, what's his name, Forrest Whitley, coming right in and just going gangbusters. Should he come up? I just don't think he has the stuff for it yet. So, do you want to talk about Joey Wentz real quick? I like Joey. Uh, I really like him, and I want him to be good, and I hope he is. So that's that's my spiel on Joey Wentz. And I thought that the uh, Tigers were very shrewd in that move, getting him uh, for Shane Green last off se- or last season. Yeah, I mean, first of all, getting anything for Shane Green was was a boon. Um, Joey Wentz is again was very very. I mean, he he was very good last year. His he wasn't as good with the Braves as he ended up being in his short stint with the Tigers, but he's, you know, he's, he's another, you know, 20, you know, what, 21, 22 year old pitcher. Um, he's another guy that's in double a, I, I actually really want to go see the, the Erie Seawolves at some point this year. They've got five guys who are all legit major leaguers, like sitting on their rotation right now. As long, but, as, uh, as, long as they're still playing, huh? <laughs> as long yeah. as they're still oh. on the team. I got feelings about that too. Um, that's, I mean, again, he's another guy that I, I really want to see the control get better. I want to see the walk rate come down. Um, and then he, you know, he could, he could really be something. Uh, he's obviously not like a, he's not like a, you know, he's not a top 100 prospect kind of guy right now for me. 
Um, it's just not what he is, but there's certainly upside there. And when you're looking at pitching in a dynasty league, like you need to look at a lot of guys who aren't top 100 prospects necessarily. He's put up good results in, in, uh, you know, a high, a, um, he struggled a bit in double a with the Braves, but he could certainly turn that around again. It's just that walk rate. I'd love to see that walk rate come down just a little bit, stay comfortably in the seven to 8% range. That's the one I like to have a higher walk rate than that, you just need to strike out so many guys right. um, to really limit the damage. And that's really hard to do. And I'm not saying this guy can't do it. I'm just saying most people can't do it. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> you get some room for error if you can get that walk rate down a bit. And that kind of, you know, it's, I mean, it's funny. I, I always say that about, oh, if you can just lower the walk rate, as if that's just like a thing that someone can do at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> guys, you know, guys, yeah, it's, it's hard. So, if he can do that, um, he's going to be part of a rotation that again could be very, very good. Even if he's only a, even if he's only a four-five, you know, he does throw a really nice changeup, and you know that that's something that can really translate to major league level. It just, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a field pitch. It's a bit of a thing where again, to to succeed in the higher levels, he'll have to walk fewer guys because he's just going to get punished too often if he doesn't. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up by giving you two names that uh, I think people should look for in dynasty drafts as they're moving ahead, names that are, especially in those deeper leagues, uh, as they move up. And this is just kind of a quick little story. So I grew up uh, – I didn't grow up. I, I moved to North Carolina uh, and lived in Greenville uh, for a while, uh, and I umpired high school baseball. So I'm there, uh, and I'm kind of uh, you know rather new. Uh, it's early in the season and I see a bunch of college, uh, scouts there. So I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on. So I walk up to one of the, uh, scouts, uh, I think he was at from Duke ECU, one of the two. Um, and I'm saying, hey, who are you guys here to see? Um, and the guy tells me, uh, there's this kid that plays, uh, both pitcher and, uh, all over the diamond, uh, that he, uh, is the best, probably one of the best high school prospects in North Carolina. So I start looking around. I say, okay, who's the guy? He said his name's uh, Bryant Packard. And so uh, I start looking at him. Bryant Packard uh, ended up going to ECU after he graduated from uh, high school in Greenville. He has significantly improved every single year. He has a very polished approach to his uh, his, uh, batting, and he is extremely patient. So if I am looking at a guy who's slowly improved, who has a good strikeout to walk ratio, who's able to put up some power in both the home run and uh, double triple department, Bryant Packard is a guy that I would definitely keep an eye on. He is, uh, he hit uh, 406, 462, 671 in uh, East Carolina in his last season before he uh, was drafted by the Tigers. And he's just one of those guys, like we talked about before, the outfield is not particularly good in Detroit. Um, And if I'm going to look at a guy who's definitely going to maybe make some waves and potentially get a call up at the end of the season, Bryant Packard is a guy. So um, if you could grab him late, Uh, if not uh, try to get him on your waiver wire, should he post, um, I really do think that he could be surprisingly good for as many swing and miss guys that the Tigers have um, right now in their outfield. Bryant Packard is not that guy. He is pretty much the exact opposite of that. And if you can get a guy that can hit and w- take a walk, he could definitely be somebody to post 20, 25 home runs uh, at the peak of his career as long and have a pretty reasonable OPS. I'd go for it. And then the last name 
uh, I don't know if you have any feelings on Jose Azokar, but he is a guy that I believe Shelley actually, again, call back out to Shelley, and he was on the Erie Seawolves last year, um, has been with Detroit now his entire career, and he's slowly improved every single year. He's always posted a pretty good average OBP, um, but this past season, was it 2018? 2018 and 2019, he's posted a plus 300 and a plus four, um, almost a 400 slugging. So, I mean, it's not great right now, but he is definitely somebody that has a little bit of speed and a little bit of power, and he really came into his own in 2019 regarding the power. So, again, another guy that kind of is toolsy, young, could potentially be a late-round flyer for anybody to pick up on. I'm not guaranteeing these guys to come out and just go gangbusters, but you kind of need to take chances, especially in later rounds and in deeper leagues. Um, and Bryant Packard is definitely a guy that I would keep an eye on. Jose Azokar, uh, probably less so, but definitely somebody to kind of watch and monitor this next year as he goes from double A AA to triple A. Yeah, no, I, I like both of those. I don't know either of them terribly well. Uh, Packard was on my radar a little bit just because like you said, the, the approach was very, very good. Um, he walks a ton. His strikeout rate is very reasonable. Um, he, you know, in, we haven't seen him very much obviously cause he just got drafted, but he was, he was a very interesting guy. He was incredibly good at East Carolina. I, the one thing I looked up when he first, you know, after he got drafted, he was fifth round pick. I looked him up. Holy cow. He was amazing. He won the triple crown out for the, for the, whatever league he was in. Sorry. I'm not a great prospects guy, but he did win that triple crown. He, uh, and he, he did okay, get he got a Go small on. cup of you know a small cup of coffee in high A last year. I think that he could you know continue doing that. He's a ways it's surprising. I think he's still a ways away from the major leagues, probably like 2022, 2023, uh, which is a long time. Um, and he's a college hitter, so you'd hope that'd be a little faster, but he's got some things to work on. Uh, but yeah, his his approach is really good. And I, and I like, you know, I'm one of those people that likes guys with a great approach. As a car, a little different. Because he's very he's very aggressive, but not like thirty percent strikeout rate aggressive. Just doesn't walk aggressive. He's been with the Tigers for a long time, and uh, <clears throat> he's always been sort of on the radar because again, he can do a little bit of everything. He he can't like he's not going to be like a thirty home run hitter or like a thirty stolen base guy, but he can do a little bit of everything. And he's got you know at least for the last you know last two seasons, he's kept a really high batting average. He he kind of looks like. Um, and this is a bad comp because this guy's not good. But Harold Castro last year for the Tigers was a guy that came up and, and slapped the ball a lot, got a high batting average, and was able to be very useful both in real life and in fantasy. And at least to start, that is something that is on Azakar's radar. And as he continues to improve, again, he hasn't gotten to AAA yet where the ball's where the ball's a little lighter or whatever it is they've done to it, put, uh, <laughs> put, put, put like a rocket engine in it or something. But that could really help with his, with his power. And, you know, he's a guy that because he does do a good job getting decent enough contact, getting a high batting average, getting, a, you know, slapping the ball around, that's something that could help him move up, especially as the Tigers remain very thin offensively. Uh, that could open up a little alley for him. They're going to need guys that can just hit, right? And yeah. the reason I bring up Gerald Castro is that's how he got to the majors. It's not because he was some prospect anyone cared about. It's because he was able to slap the ball around, and the Tigers said, well, someone's got a hit up here. And God forbid anyone get injured on the Tigers because the bench is not deep, right? You won't notice an outfield injury as much, but the infield's got nobody. Like, and, and these guys can't really, like, yeah, there's, like, uh, Dowell Lugo's out there. He'll be kind of interesting. But, like, anyone that can hit for average uh, is going to find a place on the Tigers roster 
in the lineup the moment a spot opens up. Because, like, the Tigers do not have a lot of guys that can hit above 260 right now. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Azakar can. So that is a potential path to the majors for him as they continue their rebuild. So, yeah. again, we're keeping an eye out, or at least watch listing. You know, he gets promoted to AAA and, and hits 290 again. Absolutely a guy you might want to keep an eye on because he's going to get at-bats at the end of the day, especially in deeper dynasties. Guys who get at-bats are have value just by themselves because they, because they play. And if he, any prospect that makes it to the major league roster has value, uh, depending on the league you're in, because they're going to play, and a lot of those guys won't. All right. So I think that that's going to wrap it up for us, right? We've been in 55 minutes. I said 20, and now I took up 25 additional minutes of your time because why wouldn't we want to talk as much as we possibly could about the Detroit Tigers? So Yeah, once, game, once games start getting played, I'm not going to have a lot to say about this team. So, <laughs> Well, hey, do you have anything you want to plug before we shut it down here? Uh, no, Fantasy Curling. If any of you have heard of it, you haven't. That's okay. Fantasy Curling, you can look me up on Twitter. It's at if the chew fits. If the chew, C-H-U, fits. Um, I do a lot of fantasy curling stuff. If you're what? all... I get it. If yeah, the hey. fits. Yeah. What? It's all, all, all about the puns over here. Um, if you read any of last year's Badgers box, you'll know I'm all about the puns. So, yeah, there's Fantasy Curling. If you want to give it a try, you do not need to know anything about curling. I don't. So uh, worth a shot. It's fun. We've got prizes. Uh, we may have a little uh, crochet baby Yoda as a prize. Uh, we also get some cool stuff from a, from a shop called Dynasty Curling run by a guy named uh, – well, shoot. Um, I don't necessarily want to throw his name around everywhere, but um, Pro Curler runs a shop, Dynasty Curling. It's, it's pretty sweet. So we got prizes, and you don't have to know anything. It's just a salary cap game. So if you want to try it, let me know. And if not, that's fine. All right. Well, hey, you were in like the Wall Street Journal or something, weren't you? New York Times, something like that? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, front page of the Wall Street Journal. And I wasn't even in trouble. It was great. <laughs> uh, it was you know, it, it was a cool article that was done to talk about a lot of random fancy sports. Curling was kind of the one that you know was the lead. I wrote about it at the beginning and end. It also talked about fantasy sumo wrestling, fantasy bird watching, fantasy fishing. It's a crazy world of fantasy sports out there. So it was really cool to kind of get added to that, especially because I had just sort of accidentally invented the thing and I don't know anything about curling, but that's okay. That's okay. This is fantasy. I don't know anything about baseball either. And here I am. <laughs> that's one hell of a plug. All right, Scott. Well, thank you so much for everything. And, uh, and I guess hopefully we'll, we'll be uh, rooting together in the, uh, during the regular season for the Tigers to continue to lose. Uh, so that one, the White Sox can get into first place because God knows I've been waiting long enough for that. And two, so that you can get a better draft pick and maybe get a couple better players. Yeah, why not? Draft some hitters and hey, it'd be nice. I, I'm fine with the White Sox winning as long as they don't have A.J. Pierzynski. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I don't want a 47-year-old A.J. Pierzynski behind the back <laughs> right now. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, anytime, man. Take it easy. All right, bye. All right, seriously, thank you. I appreciate it. Bye.